0: I'm extremely thankful for confession, not because I like it, the confession of my sin, my evil doings, my wretchedness, my thoughts, the uh, betraying actions. I, I don't, I don't, there's no joy in actually confessing those things. There's oftentimes a lot of shame or um, uh, embarrassment or fear. But, but here's why I'm thankful for it. Uh, I know how needed it is for me to experience the freedom that Christ died to give me. That he earned for me and won for me at the cross, and invites me to walk in. And confession is 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 a part of uh, the means by which I receive that which he came to give. And so I'm thankful for it, extremely thankful. I know uh, uh, through seasons of my life when I've been regularly confessing, and how how sweet it was to live in freedom from sin and intimacy with Christ in other seasons where I've not, where I've been hard-hearted or stubborn or too embarrassed of sin and how that's eaten away at me. So I'm thankful for what Christ has accomplished in salvation by grace through faith in him, that his blood covers our sin, that he has won the victory on the cross and that we can participate in victorious living and he's given us a means. He's told us how to do it and confession's a, a first step in that. It's a part of that. So I'm thankful, but I don't like it. Okay, I don't, uh, I don't get excited, I don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh my goodness, I hope I can confess some sin today. Um, not the way I normally think. Um, it's kind of, I told somebody this week, it's kind of like going to the dentist. And I don't say that to offend any of you guys that are practicing dentist or dentist to be, but I don't, I don't get real excited about my annual dentist appointment. But I don't miss them. And the reason is, I don't want my teeth to decay any faster than they ought otherwise decay. I know it's happening, but I don't want them to rot out early. And I'd prefer not to have any uh, pain that could otherwise be avoided in the meantime. Same is true spiritually. Sin will rot you out from the inside out. It'll rot you. I'm going to show you that. No, it, it rots us. And, and I, don't want, um, I don't want that, and I don't want any of the pain that could otherwise be avoided in the meantime. Uh, I'm going to read to you a couple verses this morning um, is, is our... Um, I put up quite a few verses in, in, our, in our program, I'm going to read you two of them um, that, w- that will serve kind of as our, our template to go off of, our, our beginning and our end. So would you stand with me to your feet, I'm going to read for you out of Psalm 32 and out of Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 32, David is writing this psalm and the verses we're going to read, he's writing of a time when he had committed some egregious sins, some sins he's famous for. Um, uh, adultery and uh, murder and we know of David that he sinned greatly we also know of verses that talk about him as one after God's own heart like God knew his heart in the midst of his sin and he hated his sin and he hated what sin did to him so he's writing of a time before the prophet Nathan rebuked him as a friend as a good friend would do and before he confessed listen to what he says of his sin chapter 32 psalm 32 verse 3 through 5 David writes when I kept silent my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. <clears throat> I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you, gave, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Do You see that? The wasting away of our bones. That's physically and spiritually. That's what sin does to us. And then confessing and God being faithful to forgive. Now, you could turn to Psalm 103 or hear as I turn and read Psalm 103. I want you to hear also verses 8 through 13. Psalm 103, 8 through 13. Reads this way The Lord is merciful and gracious. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, praise God, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's the word of God for the people of God. The people of God said, praise be to God. You may be seated. So Lord, as we take a a few minutes to reflect on what confession is, why it's important, why it's necessary, what what, why it's a gift to us, what the fruit of it is, and why we need it, and and where our sin uh, is, and where Satan has any stronghold in our hearts, Lord, as we reflect, would you just... Do a quickening and convicting and surgical work by the power of your Holy Spirit in each one of our hearts and our spirit and our mind this morning. Lord, we pray that we'd be still, we'd have ears to hear, we'd have soft hearts, and God, we'd participate this morning in in a a cleansing and sanctifying process by which we lay hold of these promises, that you forgive um, by means of the work of Christ. When we confess, you forgive, and we're going to also... Talk about when we confess, uh, you bring healing. So God, um, allow us to be vulnerable, uh, to be obedient um, this morning. Fill us with your spirit. Lead us to confession and give us the fruit of your presence in an all-satisfying way this morning. I ask that as I speak, I would decrease, I must, you must increase. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to come right through the front door and tell you why I, I covet this service for our body, um, I, I have really two main New Year's resolutions this year for 2019. The first one is I I, I really want to make and and be known for by my grandchildren's grandchildren. So I really want to learn to make this year the world's greatest chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> and I'm serious about it. I've been I mean we're only like a weekend and I've already had two two nights, but um, given to this like. Like my boys and I love eating chocolate chip cookies, and I'm tired of making average chocolate chip cookies. I would appreciate your prayers and your help in this. I would say, um, I would say, if you've got, a, if you're, if you're kind of known in your community as the one who everybody cannot get over your cookies. I don't mean like if you know your husband says says nice things. I mean like you're known by this, probably in an unhealthy way. Um, I mean your hometown parade in your honor. It's the chocolate chip cookie parade. If you're really I would, I would appreciate if you'd send me what you got. Uh, I'm, I'm Right now I'm researching, I'm pooling, and I'm working towards this end, okay? Um, that's probably both a, a declaration and a point of confession in my life, but that's part of 2019. <laughs> Here's the more meaningful resolution I've got, and it's simple, although it, it's got a lot of layers to it. I, I want to know intimacy with Jesus this year like I've never known it. So I want to know... Um, I, I really want to. I want to know a, a sense of fullness of the Lord's Spirit in way of um, that would produce the fruits of the Spirit in me. That would bring about the, the peace and the joy that that in, that only intimacy with God can really bring. And I want to know it in a greater fullness in a greater measure than I've ever known it. Now, it so I began to write down uh, this week things that, that probably would lead or lend themselves towards that. I've, I've got kind of a laundry list. But let me tell you what the very top of the list is. And I want this for me and I want it for us as a body. The very first thing that I know must be an ingredient in that uh, in that uh, uh, resolution to be realized would be confession. Like I've, I've gotta be one who is willing to vulnerably and regularly confess my sin. Here's why, it, it, it's somewhat obvious, but here's why that is. Uh, sin separates us from God, that's what it does. It's a, it's a divider, it's, it's a barrier from experiencing the fullness that God and God only can bring. Uh, you, you guys have heard me say there's a God-shaped hole in, in our heart. I didn't make that up, uh, barred that. Uh, Pascal first said it, C.S. Lewis probably made it more famous in our culture, but it's true, there's, there, there's that which we long for, which is only fulfilled in the very presence of God himself. And so whenever we fill that hole with everything else in and of this world, we're left yearning, we're left unsatisfied. Maybe Temporally happy, but still longing for something that we thought would be fulfilled and is not yet fulfilled. And that was our study in Ecclesiastes. Under the sun, and, and merely life under the sun, we'll never find what we're looking for. And so uh, the Lord created us to be satisfied in him alone. And that, that's, just, that's just part of our being made in the image of God, in his likeness, to be satisfied in him. We'll never find it outside of him. So, so sin inherently um, D- d- uh, separates us from him who satisfies us. I wanna know greater intimacy with him than I've ever known, meaning I'll have to practice confessing sin and repenting of it more regularly than I've ever done. Those two are inseparably linked. Let me tell you what sin, by the way, even if everything else in your life is going swimmingly, if there's sin under the surface it just resides where no one can see it, no one knows it but you and the Lord. If that's residing there and you've tried to kick a little dirt dirt over it, you've tried to ignore it, you've taken a few fig leaves and covered it, you've done whatever it is to kind of hide in that sin. Here's what it is doing in your life. I promise you it's stealing your joy. Uh, I promise you it's harming your relationships. If you'll stop and be honest and think about it, you'll agree. It's harming your relationships, especially your most precious and significant relationships. Relationships with those that are most beloved and meaningful in your life. It is causing anxiety in your life and it's leading you like a horse to water it's leading you to despair i'll say that again it's stealing your joy it's harming your most meaningful relationships it's bringing anxiety it's leading you to despair if if if, and by the way that's a culmination of the psalms (laughs) and if you're going how do you know that's what's happening because that's what sin does In other words, sin can't not do that. That's the very nature of sin. It separates us from the joy and the intimacy and the peace that come from God, leaving us in pain and despair and steeped in anxiety, broken in our relationships and stealing our joy. That's that's what it does. That's what it can't not do. It replaces that which we're meant to know and be satisfied in in the Lord with something that is shallow and toxic, okay? Okay? It'd be like going on a, a, a lay potato chip, baked, or not even baked, just straight up greasy lay potato chip diet. You say, man, if that's all I'm going to eat this year, then what we all know about you is you're going to die. <laughs> just what's going to happen? You're, it's going to be, it's, you may think, man, it, it, it may sound great, it may even taste great, and for a while it may even be great, but we're going to watch you just decay and, and ultimately die. And... Um, you're not made to be nourished and survive and thrive and be healthy on laid potato chips. And uh, we can't be healthy and alive, spiritually alive and nourished in our sin. Can I, can I just tell you what David said again in Psalm 32? If I could just read these words again, just listen. And by the way, listen and relate. I hope right now you are clean and close to the Lord and confessed up, but, but I'll tell you this. Any of us that know what it is to to uh, be in sin, maybe it's a a particular sin that you've committed that you've hoped nobody would find out about and has been confessed. Maybe it's a pattern of thought, maybe it's some deep uh, motives that are ungodly, maybe it's the slow, subtle idolatry of greed or this world or self, like whatever it is, it's insidious web of deceitful lies that shroud us and bring darkness in. Here's Here's what it feels like. Here's what it feels like. David captures this so good. When I kept silent, David's saying, hey, when I was there, which we find ourselves there, we're prone to wander, prone to sin. I know I am. When I'm there and I'm silent about it, my bones wasted away. I'm groaning. Like my spirit groans. God gives you, as one of his children, he gives you his holy, the third person of the Trinity, God himself alive in you. That Holy Spirit groans over the presence of sin. He He doesn't coexist well with that. He's groaning as a, as a means of bringing you to repentance. What a gift that he groans when we might otherwise simply try to hide and forget. My, your hand is heavy upon me, that's what it feels like. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you. Here's the hope of the gospel. And I didn't cover it anymore anymore. I said, I'm gonna confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Oh my goodness, praise God. And that he can do that and still be a just God, fully recognizing the wretchedness of our sin. And he can do it, and his justice not be thwarted because Jesus Christ took the wrath due us in our sin, and he paid it in full. And the invitation to experience the transforming work of his grace in your life comes via confession. To confess and repent. The first step in repentance, which is turning from, is to acknowledge the sin, not lie about it anymore. Confess it and repent of it. Turn from it and to the Lord. We don't do this one time. We do this regularly. This is part of uh, how we live in Christ, but we're going to do it corporately this morning. And uh, we're certainly not going to do it to shame anyone uh, or humiliate or embarrass anyone. Quite the opposite. Uh, I know as your pastor, um, because I'm a, uh, one um, who regularly sins and needs to be confessing and cleansed constantly, that to do this corporally is needed, maybe more than once a year, but it's needed at times where as uh, a way of consecrating ourselves to the Lord in hopes and excitement of what he's going to do in us and through us this year for his glory. We need to be clean. We need to be honest. And there's some things, there's some things you, ways you deal with sin that aren't merely private. And here's what I mean. 1 John uh, uh, 1, 8, and 9 on the screen. 1 John 1, 8, and 9. If we say we have no sin, so if you're one out there going, gosh, this is going to be really awkward for some people, I'll pray for them. Okay, then I want to say, if you say you have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Like we are people until we get to rid ourselves finally and fully of this old man, this, this flesh, this body, until it's laid down and we get a glorified body that in his presence will no longer be susceptible to sin. We all are sinful people with sinful thoughts and sinful motives, and by God's grace, we are growing in our Christ-likeness, but we haven't arrived yet. So there's, there's always this measure of what needs to be diagnosed, rooted out by the Holy Spirit, confessed, and walked in victory. And it's a process called sanctification that we need to be participating in. Okay? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're liars. And the truth is not in us. Look at this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and by the way, God knows our heart. We're not playing some manipulative game with God. It's, a tr- it's not merely just the admission of our sin, it's the confession of it. It's attrition leading to confession, is the beginning of repentance. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we see that, I'm just, I'm too used to that verse, and it, it, it breaks my heart that I am. That, that's a, that verse elicits something in us. There's a depth of gratitude, of wow, that's, that's grace. We're not getting what we deserve. That's mercy, we're getting what we don't deserve. That's grace, that's the gospel. We see that and we go, I, I don't have words of the gratitude that wells up in my soul for what Christ has done on my behalf. That I don't have to be enslaved to sin. There's no permanent identity there. It's, it's a passing place of darkness. That I've been invited out of every single waking moment of my life in Christ. Isn't that awesome? Okay, and then let me give you a, a verse that's, that's not as um, well received in the body. Because we don't like to participate in this. But man, the, the, the promise attached to this is brilliant. James 5.16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And Pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, Confession, biblical confession. um, Convicted of our sin, knowing we desire intimacy with Christ, knowing the sin separates us, grieving that by the gift of the Holy Spirit, grieving it and confessing it. Telling the Lord what he already knows is true about you, but confessing it. Confessing it to one another. Verbalizing it, saying it. Humbling yourself enough to confess into one another. Here's what the Bible says: You're going to get forgiveness. There's a cleansing nature of the grace of God that's always at work, and you're going to feel the fresh nature of being tidal wave with this grace and healing. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be uh, sin is a sickness. It is a disease. I don't want to be stuck in it. I want to be healed from it, and I know that's a process. But the way by which he heals is regular confession, trusting in him, walking in truth. Confessing sin, trusting in him, walking in truth. It's confession and repentance. That's why I, I want to stay right there for my life in Christ. I don't ever get tired or, or callous towards confession because I want to walk in freedom. This speaks about freedom. I'm going to tell you, let me, let me tell you, I'm going to give all of you, the opportunity to actually confess this morning. Now we're going to stand up and pass a mic, but we're going to have folks along the back wall in in just a few minutes. You'll have the opportunity to confess sin to someone. Uh, There's many of you that will get up and do that. I'm convinced of that because many of you will feel a heaviness. God will identify sin in your spirit and you will crave like I crave intimacy with the Lord. You'll crave freedom. You'll crave healing. Um, there are some things that are the mystery of God to dictate how and why they happen the way they do. But God has prescribed that we have a certain measure of healing to the otherwise decaying of our bones when we confess our sins to one another. And part of it is that it it involves that dying to self. Like, why is it so hard for us to confess sin? Why is that so hard for me to do to you? And I confessed with someone this morning on the wall. Why why is that hard? Why is it, like, embarrassing? Why is it... uh, um, why am I so afraid of that? And When I try to think about that, the reason is I, I want you guys to think more highly of me than you ought. That's pride, fleshly pride, spiritual pride. That is, uh, that's idolatry of self. That's, that's me thinking too highly of myself and wanting you to join me in this charade versus being honest. Hey, here's what's true of me. Sinner in need of God's grace daily, in need of walking in his victory, knowing my uh, entire hope of doing that resides in his strength, needing a fresh, ample 24-hour supply of that today, and so confessing freely, being okay if you know the wretchedness that's true about me so I can know the freedom of God's grace experienced transformatively in me. I've learned you can't really have them both. You can't have this great image of everyone thinking you're more godly than they ought and than you are, and the transformative power of God's grace at work in your life bringing freedom. You just, you really can't, you can't hold on to both of those things. You got to cling to one or the other. Some of you will remain in your seat this morning because you're clinging over here. You'd just rather hide. Uh, Some of you, and will say, I'm okay if Mike or Martha or whoever um, is a tangible representation of Christ's love to me as I confess my sin, I'm okay with that. I'm okay of being truly known so that I can be truly loved. That's the gospel. And I would like to experience the promise of God in healing by participating in the humility of Christ who considered equality with God not sent him to be grass and made himself human. You won't have to humble yourself more than Christ did this morning. And you won't go through anything more painful than Christ went through. To step into what he won for you on the cross. So it's an invitation this morning to anyone who's desperate for freedom and intimacy with the Lord. Um, uh, say this. It, it's the enemy, it's the because this is his this is Satan's ministry to you. The enemy is the one that whispers right now as some of you go, man, I probably should confess, but I don't really want to confess. It's the enemy that says, ah, you're fine. It's not gonna make a real difference. It's the enemy that says, um, if you share that, if you tell somebody about that, uh, you're gonna be rejected, you won't be accepted, you won't be loved if you're truly known. It's the Lord Jesus that says, come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest in me, and that's all we are, is the body of Christ. We're, we're, we're tangibly representing who he is to one another. That's part of what we do in community with one another, is the church. That's what the church is. Uh, Tim Keller said the gospel this way, if I can say it properly. He said, um, we are more uh, sinful than we would ever dare to believe. <laughs> and yet, at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. Is Christ's followers, if those who put our trust in Jesus, we, we are those who practice who believe that and practice it together so the church is the place where we ought to be able to tell somebody what's true about us and find in return the love and acceptance of christ it ought to be the one safe place to tell the truth because we all already know what's true of us we're acknowledging it to each other so it doesn't have any power or hold in our lives we can walk freely in god's grace we're experiencing god's love through one another through his body the church and, and what, what's true, and I know it's sad, and I know it's true for many of us, is, is many of us say, hey, I've been vulnerable before, and I've been wounded by the church, or someone who's a part of the church. I get it. Totally get that. I have too. And I have no doubt I've wounded others unintentionally. as a part of my um, own sinfulness and being short of being Christ himself. Only he will love you Perfectly. But we as the body must continue. We must endeavor to love one another and bear one another's burdens and grieve with each other and pray over each other or we will cease to be relevant as the body. That's who we are. It's what we do. It's what we must persist in doing. And it's messy being human with one another. It's messy. But if we quit that, if we just ignore that, if we don't do this, if we don't go to the dentist spiritually sometimes together then there will be rottenness that will look like hard-heartedness and callousness and spiritual pride and a pharisaical spirit and inauthenticity. That's what would be true here. Let it not be so. I don't care how messy it is. We need to be the body of Christ. And we need to practice that together. So let me just kind of recap, here's what's uh, confession is the first step in repenting, turning from your sin Um, it's necessary for forgiveness and freedom, it's necessary for intimacy with God and others and so we're going to participate in a a corporate exercise of confession this morning, here's here's how it'll work practically I've asked all of our elders to be available this morning and, and they are and most of their wives are available as well, and, uh, and then we've asked a mini- our ministry team and even some others. We've wanted to have as, as many folks as we need to have, and I'm asking them, y'all go ahead and move now if we've asked you to be prayers this morning, and they're just going to spread out all along the back wall and the sides. And here's what we're going to do as they spread out and make themselves available. We're going to take about 20 minutes, and uh, I think everybody has a, a card, just says confession on top. Um, I'm going to ask you to be still. Chase is going to come play some music uh, underneath this time. I want you to be reflective. I want you to ask the the Holy Spirit. Give give him the freedom to take the scalpel to your heart. Maybe journal some things that come to mind. Where the sin is. Identify it. Let the Spirit of God root it out. Now, we're going to take communion at the end of this time. Don't take it during this time. We're going to take it together at the end. That'll be a great time during communion. Symbolically, we're going to lay our Uh, confession of sin in in baskets on these tables as we receive the elements. Just that picture of he became the curse and we become the righteous of God. Praise God. So we'll do that. So you can write on this if you want and and participate in that. But I'm going to ask you, I'm going to invite you to go a step further. During this time as you write things down, I would invite you who crave intimacy with the Lord, I'd invite you to stand up out of your seat. Um, There's absolutely zero shame in this and go back or find someone and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to share a few of the things that I've written down or a few of the things that God's brought to my mind or something, I'd like to confess this sin. I don't want it to have ownership of me. I don't want to be enslaved in Satan's uh, trap. And I don't want to feel that stronghold or that heaviness. I want freedom. I want to feel the effects of the transforming power of God's grace renewing me. To that. That's what I want. So I'm going to confess this sin. I'm going to ask you to pray over me. It doesn't have to be a long exchange. Confess, receive prayer, and we're going to believe together the promises of God this morning. That's going to be a quickening time of, uh, of repentance and of renewal and of freedom. I, I would say to you, a lot of folks will, will begin a journey of freedom like they've never known this morning in an act of obedience, at the invitation of Christ. And so that, that's going to be the invitation. Let me just give you this last picture uh, for your mind, and then we'll, we'll have our time of confession. When, when, I, when, when one of my boys has done something wrong... So this is you know hour by hour, and uh, and that is a uh, no, they're great boys, but when they have done something wrong, inevitably, of course, that happens. Whether they disobeyed their mother, or wronged one of their brothers, or you know you know broken something because they didn't you know respect some of the family boundaries, we have, whatever it is. Like and when I know about it already, so Catherine's called. She's told me what happened. I, I get it. I'm sad in my heart. I know the I know the son probably feels the weight of his transgression. Okay. I come home, here's what I do. Um, I don't come in and say, here's what you did, account for it. What I do is, sit down, at least what I try to do, I sit down and I say, tell me what happened. What did you do? Talk to me about it. What'd you do? Why'd you do it? Let me hear from you. What happened? Now, why in the world am I asking them to confess what I already know is true? Just, it's, it, it's not because I just want them to feel the maximum amount of shame for their sin. Matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Here's what I know is true. If they will fess up, if they'll say, Dad, and sometimes the sniveling begins, and this is what I did, and this is what I forgot, or this is what I meant, or this is what I was thinking, but this is what happened. As they begin to share with me, as they begin to confess their sin, Here's what happens. The same thing that we're invited to do begins to happen there. They, they now are going to be free. They're gonna have a sense of freedom from that which would otherwise cause separation in their relationship with me. Like if we don't talk about it, they just hide. They're gonna be like Adam and Eve in the garden. Let's throw some fig leaves on and let's go into hiding. Hope I don't have to talk about this because it's painful to talk about. If they'll talk to me about it, here's what happens. That which would have separated us is in the air and guess what I get to then do? As their daddy, I get to say, hey son, I'm really sorry about this with you. I grieve with this with you. There may be some consequences that come from this that we can or can't avoid, but I'm gonna be with you in that, and I want you to hear me say, I forgive you. And I want you to hear me say this, I love you. I love you as much as I've ever loved you or ever will love you. And you know what happens? I get to pull them into my lap, still at that stage with at least a few of them. I get to pull them into my lap. I get to pull them close. I like to feel their heart beat against mine, and I like to feel that renewed oneness, what was broken has been restored. And you know what, we, you, you, after a time of confession and forgiveness, you know, what, you know what I have with that son? We're like this. We're closer than we were before the whole episode happened. There's an invitation to intimacy that comes through confession. It'll drive you from God or it'll invite you right into his heart. And so I want you to know that you, Christ invites you to confess to him this morning what he already knows is true. He, not so you can bear the shame. He bore the shame. It's so that you can be free of that which might bring shame and guilt and anxiety and lead to despair. And so you can hear the whisper of the Lord Jesus forgiven. And so that you can feel the weight of his sacrifice and the warmth of his embrace. And that you and Jesus are right here. And that intimacy would be so, so nourishing and satisfying to your soul that you'd want to walk in it every day. Okay, that's the invitation this morning.